All right, well, hey, good morning again. We are gonna do a standalone sermon this morning called, Oh, Give Thanks. And you know, I, don't, I, I think the typical preacher thing to do is once Thanksgiving's over, you kind of move on to the next thing. But uh, you know, kind of like Andrew was saying, it's, I mean, it's 2020. We, we probably, probably the word of our hearts and our lives this year has probably not been thankfulness, right? It's been more griping and complaining and upset and frustrated and all these things. And so uh, I think we probably need to spend a little bit more time talking about gratitude and, and thankfulness. Uh, how many of y'all love Thanksgiving? It's like, you love it. Okay, I love Thanksgiving as well. Um, you know, it's been a different Thanksgiving than any Thanksgiving I can remember. Um, I'm not that old, though. So, um, But, you know, at the heart of every American Thanksgiving celebration is fill in the blank. What would you fill in that blank with? At the center of every American Thanksgiving celebration, what's at the center of it? I, I heard food, <laughs> which is in my brain, right? Family, hopefully giving a thanks, gratitude, all that stuff. But if we're being honest, like in America, it's, it's food, right? And the food is great. The spread is, is great. And I appreciate that. And, and there's something to be said about feasts. I mean, you see it throughout the scriptures, that these celebrations always involve, you know, a table and, and lots of food. And that's great. But ultimately what each feast points to and reminds us of is our bounty in Christ. The, the fact that in particular, we celebrate the goodness and the love that we have of God in abundance. And so I want to say it this way this morning, kind of the big idea is that we give thanks. We have thanks for a lot of things. There's a lot of things we can be grateful for, but we give thanks first and foremost because God's goodness and love for us in Christ never runs out. It never runs out. This is really why we celebrate Thanksgiving is because we want to give thanks to God because his love and his goodness for us never, ever, ever runs out. And what I want to do this morning is I want to, I want to let the scriptures speak for themselves. And we're going to, we're going to look at a passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, um, probably a book of the Bible you don't flip to a lot, but 1 Chronicles in the Old Testament let me set the stage for this, and we're going to read through a passage, and we're going to kind of zero in on one verse in particular. But what you have in First Chronicles 16 is David is king over Israel. He's the greatest king in the history of the nation of Israel. There's this huge feast that is, is taking place here in Jerusalem. It's kind of like a thanksgiving for the people of God. And the reason they're celebrating is because the Ark of the Covenant has, has returned to Jerusalem. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but it's really at the center of, of Israel's national consciousness. This Ark of the Covenant is kind of the emblem of God's presence and God's glory, and it had been, it had been taken, and now it has been returned to its rightful place in the, the middle of Jerusalem, the midst of God's people. And so King David is, is excited, and they want to give thanks for this. And so he appoints ministers and musicians, and, and then David breaks out in this kind of song of thanks. And I want to just kind of set it up by looking at First Chronicles verses 1 and then verse 7, and then we're going to read through this song of thanks that, that David breaks out into. Verse number 1, it says in First Chronicles 16, it says, They brought in the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. All right, so they're celebrating the fact that this ark has come back. Verse number seven, if you drop down, it says, Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. 
And so this is such a big deal that the Ark of Covenant has come back. They're, they're throwing the celebration. All right, again, it's like a Thanksgiving kind of feast. And, 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 and what we're going to do is read through the song of thanks that, that David breaks into. Now, let me just kind of, kind of explain how this breaks down. There's two parts to this song. The first part is, is addressed to the nation of Israel, and it kind of walks through this history of God's faithfulness to them. And then in the second part of this song, he addresses all the earth. And he gives all these reasons for all the earth to, to give thanks and praise to the Lord. And so what I want to do is I want to read through this song of thanks, which is, is kind of long, but I want, I want us to see how David is praising the Lord here. And then we're going to zero in again on one verse in particular. So 1 Chronicles 16, starting in verse number 8. Here's David's song of thanks. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. His miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant that he made with Abraham. His sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute. To Israel as an everlasting covenant saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When you were few in number of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account saying, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. And so again, he's addressing Israel. These are all the reasons we can give thanks to the Lord because of his faithfulness to us and to, to the generations to follow. And then he, 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 he addresses all the nations. Look at verse number 23. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nation, the Lord Rains. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Say also, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name 
and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen. Amen. Good job. And praise the Lord. And so you see that David, man, he is he is on fire. He is a musician at heart. He is a worship leader. And what you see in this song of thanks, you know, we, we look at Israel's songbook. It's the, the book of Psalms in our Bible. And, and what this, this song of, of thanks is from David, it's really a mashup of like three different Psalms. And, and he's just praising the Lord for his, his goodness. Now, what I want to do is I want to just zero in on one verse in particular for the next few minutes, and then we're going to read some other scriptures. But Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, First Chronicles 16, verse number 34, go back there. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, if, you, if you've read in the Psalms very much at all, you'll recognize this phrase because it's one of the most commonly used expressions of, of gratitude and worship. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And what I want to do for just the next few minutes is I want to kind of walk through word by word or phrase by phrase through this verse. All right, and, and what I want to do is I want to start with that very first word there. If you see it, it's the word O, O-H. And really the reason I'm doing that is because I am from the state of Ohio, all right? And if you don't know anything about Buckeyes, um, one of the things that we like to do, call us simple, but we like to spell out the word Ohio to one another, all right? And so if I see somebody from Ohio, which I don't think anybody in the room is, I would say O-H, and you know how they would respond? I-O. Thank you. You all are adopted Buckeye fans. I got, I, I, it worked with some of you, all right? But like, I could literally see somebody you know, in Charleston and be like, O-H, I-O. So this is our brotherhood, okay? We can't spell very well, but that's cool. So I, I decided to start with this word. And, and what's interesting about O or you know, sometimes O-H or the, the letter O in the scriptures is, is uh, you know, and, and some translations don't, don't necessarily use that. It might just say, give thanks. But I love that you know, in some of these translations, the translators use this, this, this interjection, Okay, in our, in our day right now, it's, it's, it's often used as a term of you know, indifference. Like sometimes you might text, oh, okay. And, it, and there's not like a lot of meaning to it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but really it's meant to be an interjection that expresses emotion, right? It expresses surprise or anger or disappointment or, or joy, right? I think of like, oh, wow, you know, like it's just a, an interjection. And so when the, when the psalmist or when David here in this case says, Oh, give thanks. It, it kind of adds this like oomph, oomph uh, to it. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's some emotion to it. There, there's something behind this. When it, it, it reminds me of like, you know, as a parent with, with kids, it's like, what do you say? Thank you. All right. There, there's not a lot of emotion behind that, right? And it's kind of like, okay, is this helpful or not? I'm just kind of getting my child to say something that there's really no heart behind. But, but this is, I believe, like the psalmist and the, and the, the writers and the scripture are trying to get at this idea of like, there's some emotion behind this. When we give thanks, it's not to be this, oh, thanks, God. That's great. I appreciate it. It's like, oh, thank you. Oh, give thanks. And so my question this morning or, 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 or my, my question for us to consider, to evaluate, like where we're at is when you think of the goodness of God, and when you think of the love of God for you, 
does it stir up anything within you? Does it stir up any emotion in you? Like, like for, for instance, when you sin against God and you recognize, is there any emotion in you? Like that would say like, oh no, God, I've sinned against you. All of your goodness and love for me and I have sinned against you. Is there any emotion in you? Or you just, ah, bummer, I sin. Sorry, God. Or is there any emotion like, oh my goodness, God, I'm so sorry that I've done this to you, that you have died for my sin and yet here I am and I don't, is there any emotion? Or when you receive the grace and the forgiveness, the grace, unmerited favor of God, when you receive that from God, his mercy and his kindness, is there any emotion that is stirred up within you? That is like, oh my, this is like the original, OMG, this is maybe the, the most appropriate time you could actually say that, like, oh my God, I can't believe that you would forgive me and love me and have mercy on me. Oh, give thanks. Is there any emotion behind this? And, and it's so easy to come to Thanksgiving and we eat the food and let's go around the table and say something you're thankful for and there'd be like nothing behind it. And, and I know this, I'm belaboring the point, but this, this just, this two letter interjection. Oh, give thanks. Have you really given thanks in the midst of this season? Because we have a lot to give thanks for. And I'll, let me move on to that next phrase. Oh, give thanks. The, the, those two words, those two English word, words, give thanks. It's actually one single Hebrew word. And the, the word picture behind this, this Hebrew word is, is using the hands to physically throw or cast uh, at or to cast away. So th there's this physical action that, that takes place here. It's, it's almost like this idea of throwing your hands up in, in worship. Uh, like you're, you're, you're casting thanks. You're casting something upon the Lord. You're confessing, you're thanking, you're praising. So one of the things this, this makes me think of when it comes to thankfulness is that thankfulness is something we should feel. But it's also something we should express. It's something we should do something with. It's great to feel thankful, right? It's great to feel it, but it's better to say it. It's better to express it. Like, have you ever been thankful for, are you thankful for someone in your life? And, like, and, and there's something in you that's like, man, I'm so thankful for this person. And you feel thankful. That's a great thing. We should cultivate gratefulness in our hearts, but it's better to express it. If you're thankful for someone, you should say it. You should express it to them. And so give thanks. Think of it in terms of, okay, not just feeling it, but it's something you throw out, you cast back to the Lord or to other people. And so when we give thanks, is it something you're just feeling? Is it something that gives you like warm fuzzies? You're like, oh, I just feel gratitude. Or is it something that you're actually expressing? Give thanks. So if you're thankful for someone, think of that word picture of throwing or casting it upon them. I wanna throw my thankfulness and my gratitude 
at you and towards you. I want you to feel it. I want it to, to hit you, right? I want you to feel my gratitude for you. And so, oh, give thanks to the Lord, to the Lord. And I know this is so simple and so basic, but God is the chief object of our thankfulness. He is the chief object of our thankfulness. We're to cast our thankfulness upon him. We should, cast it. We should be thankful for all kinds of things and people, and that's great. But ultimately, our, 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 the chief object of our worship and our adoration, our praise, our thanksgiving should be the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. I, I saw, you know, it's probably been a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was in the last week, um, I saw this, this, um, this survey that was done by Lifeway Research. All right? So Lifeway is always doing all this kind of research, all these different things, and they're polling people. And they did this survey, and they asked the question, at Thanksgiving, to whom do you typically give thanks? And we're going to show this statistic up on the screen. So I want you to see what people said they were, to whom they gave thanks to. Um, 68% said to family. 67% said to God. 42% to friends. 16% to myself, thank me for me. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Um, fate, thank you, fate, or thank you to the universe. I'm thankful for whatever you've given me. Um, 4% said, I don't give thanks. All right. And then I really like the fine print. It says, no, 2% said none of these. 1% said other, which I'm assuming would be like your pet or something. I don't know what else you're giving thanks to. I don't know, but it just was an interesting kind of survey question. And I think it's appropriate that you are, you know, you give thanks to your family, you give thanks to people. But I also think it's kind of interesting and telling that maybe that would come before God because, and we'll see it later, God has given us every good and perfect gift. He is the source and the supplier of every good thing that we have. He is the chief object of our thanksgiving. I want to read this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He said this, he said, all the good that we enjoy comes from God. Recollect that. Alas, most men forget it. Roland Hill used to say that worldlings, okay, I guess that means earthlings, uh, worldlings were like the hogs under the oak, which eat the acorns, but never think of the oak from which they fell, nor lift up their heads to grunt out a thanksgiving. Yes, so it is. They munch the gift and murmur at the giver. I think that's such an incredible, incredible thought that it's like, like the hogs who eat the acorns, but never think of the oak that actually drops them and provides them for us, and we munch the gift and murmur at the giver. And so this idea, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Be a thankful person. Be full of, of gratitude. Be a person full of gratitude, but don't be just grateful generically, as if I'm just thankful to the universe and to fate and to whatever. No, direct your thanks Cast your thanks upon, give your thanks to the Lord. To the Lord, first and foremost. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Here, here's that next phrase is, for he is good. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And you know, we, we toss around the word good a lot, right? There's a lot of things that we would say, oh, that's good. 
That's good. How are you doing? Good. Ah, great. <laughs> There's, it's just a generic kind of word. Everything's good. When everything's good, nothing is, is really good. But just, here's, here's the way I like to think. Think of the word goodness. All right, we think of that a little bit differently. When we talk about the goodness of somebody, it's, it, it, it feels like it carries more weight. Let me, let me read you a few ways that we could translate this word good. All right, some other synonyms. Beautiful, beneficial, delightful, excellent, fair, favorable, generous, gracious, kind, marvelous, pleasant, pure, righteous, satisfying, splendid, sweet, virtuous, worthy. These are all words that we could use to say that God is good. God is good. The goodness of God for us is real. Do you believe that? If you do say amen, God is good. You know, there's, there was an old call and response. I'm going to try it out with y'all to see if, if, you, if you know where I'm going with this. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. All right. Now that you know it, or maybe that you're reminded and you're waking up to it, let's do it again. God is good and all the time. All right. There you go. I like it. Try a little bit more call and response here in this Baptist church. You know what I'm saying? God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. James 1.17. I just mentioned it, but James 1.17 says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He doesn't change y'all. He is always good and every good and perfect gift comes from him. We're always looking for the great. And what happens is we often overlook the good. We're always looking for the big and the splashy and the exciting and the momentous. And, and we overlook all the good, all the, the, the hundreds of moments of goodness of God that we experience every day in our lives because we're waiting for the, the great and the big and the exciting and we, we overlook the mundane, but the good. And it all comes from the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then this last phrase, for his steadfast love endures forever. For his steadfast love endures forever. So when we talk about the steadfast love of God, another way that we could say that, and we've talked about it in our last series, we could call his steadfast love, his covenant love, his covenant love. And, and what, is, what is that all about? What's his covenant about? His, God's covenant to his people, Israel in particular, was that I will bless you and I will, uh, I will uh, promise you and your children and for generations to come, I promise you good. And, and your part of the covenant is you will, you will obey and you will follow me. But remember with a covenant, one's faithfulness to their end of the deal is not dependent on the other being faithful to it. And so God's covenant love is strong and it's steadfast and it endures forever. And I want to go back to this idea that we started this out with was the Ark of the Covenant. All right. So the reason for this whole celebration was because the Ark of the Covenant was brought back to Jerusalem. So I want to take a second to, to tell you about or to explain or to paint the picture of this Ark of the Covenant because it was so important to the nation of Israel. In fact, it was the sign of his covenant love for them. 
this Ark of the Covenant. And, and, and this Ark of the Covenant was this box or this chest, and it was made of acacia wood, and it was overlaid with, with gold, and it was placed inside of the, the tabernacle or the, uh, the, the, the tabernacle or the temple, the place where God's dwell, it was God's dwelling place. And it was placed in the innermost part of the temple or the tabernacle that was called the Holy of Holies. All right, this is the innermost part of, of this temple that represented God's presence among us. And the Holy of Holies, what happened with this, this Holy of Holies, this innermost room or section of, of the temple was that once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would go to this Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant inside the Ark of the Covenant was, was uh, it contained the Ten Commandments um, and, and, and it was covered, the lid, if you will, of this Ark of the Covenant, it was called the, the mercy seat. And what happened with the mercy seat is this high priest would come in once a year to atone for, to, to, to cover the sins of the people. And the way that he would do that was he would bring this pure, spotless animal sacrifice. And he would, he would sprinkle the blood on this mercy seat. Now the mercy seat, it, it, it kind of represented God's presence. It was kind of this, this seat upon which God himself sat and he dispensed mercy. And so this high priest would come into this holy of holies with the blood of a, of a sacrifice and he would offer it on this mercy seat so that God in his mercy would cover over and atone for the sins of, of the people. And so this was, this was so central and integral to the life of God's people that they recognized they were sinners before a holy God and they needed, they needed atonement for their sin. And so once a year, this high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, offer this blood on the mercy seat to offer atonement for the people's sins. And, and, and don't miss this incredible picture because this foreshadowed the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who would come to this earth, live a perfect life as the spotless Lamb of God. And he would go to the cross and offer his life as a sacrifice and shed his blood on the cross so that whoever would call upon his name in faith would receive the forgiveness of their sins, the covering of their sins once and for all by the blood of Jesus. And Jesus became kind of that mercy seat. He was the once and for all sacrifice for our sin for all time. And now rather looking to the high priest to make the sacrifice at the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. Now we look to Christ who has made this one time sacrifice for all of our sins. And this is the steadfast love of God that we see represented in Jesus. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 12, it says that he, Jesus, entered once for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus sec securing an eternal redemption. Y'all, what Jesus did is that he sealed this covenant with his own blood and by doing that, he secured eternal redemption for us all. And so what we see is that the steadfast love of God 
endures how long? Forever. Forever. His steadfast love endures forever. And this Ark of the Covenant that they were celebrating, they were giving thanks for it because this representation of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God was back in their midst. And so they were able to declare, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. And so I want us to consider two questions this year, 2020, right? Here's two questions that I want us to think about. Question one is this, how have you seen his goodness this year? How have you seen his goodness in your life this year? Because what we seem to talk about and fixate on more than anything is the badness all around us and the struggles and the complications, but let's, let's shift our perspective. How have you seen his goodness at play in your life this year? Let's let that overwhelm everything else. His goodness. Here's the second question. How has his steadfast love shown up in your life this year? Because I promise you, if you look around, it has shown up. He has shown up with his goodness and his steadfast love in some way, in multiple ways, more ways than we could probably even count. How have you seen his goodness this year? How have you seen his steadfast love show up in your life this year? This is what Thanksgiving is about, y'all, is us casting our thanks upon him because we've witnessed, we've seen his goodness and his steadfast love, not out there, not back then, but up close and personal in our lives this year. And so, my goodness, y'all, let's not, let's not scoot through this, this, this season, this, this Thanksgiving time, this weekend without stopping and recognizing his goodness in our lives and his steadfast love. Because he hasn't given up. He hasn't disappeared. It hasn't gone away. It is there. And here's what I want to do to end this service is I want to just walk through a number of scriptures. And I'm just going to read through these and let the scriptures speak for themselves. Because what you see all through the book of Psalms is you see over and over and over the psalmists giving thanks. And so I want to read through these verses. And what I want you to do is just kind of read along, follow along. Uh, I want you just to soak in a moment of thankfulness and hear the heart of the psalmist this morning. And let's make this our heart. Let's make this our petition. Let's make this a moment where we cast our thanks upon the Lord. And so in Psalm 9, verse 1, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Psalm 28, verse seven, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him, my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and and with my song, I give thanks to him. Psalm 30, verse four, sing praises to the Lord. O you, his saints and give thanks to his holy name. Verse 11 and 12, you have turned for me my mourning 
into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Psalm 33, verse 2, give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Psalm 44, verse 8, in God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever. Psalm 54, verse 6, with a free will offering I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. Psalm 57, verse 9, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. Psalm 75, verse 1, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. Psalm 79, verse 13, but we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, we give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. Psalm 86, verse 12, I, will, I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, I will glorify your name forever. Psalm 92, 1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Psalm 97, verse 12, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Psalm 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Psalm 106, verse 47, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Psalm 111, verse 1. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the upright in the congregation. Psalm 118, verse 19, open, uh, 118, verse 19, open to me the gates of righteousness that I, may, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. Verse 28, you are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Psalm 138, verses one and two, I, I give you thanks Oh Lord, with my whole heart, before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Psalm 140 verse 13, surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. Psalm 142 verse seven, Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me for you will deal bountifully with me. And Psalm 145 verse 10. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your, all your saints shall bless you. And so this morning and always we give thanks to the Lord because God's goodness and his love for us in Christ never ever runs out, amen? And so Father, this morning, I wanna say from my heart 
Oh God, thank you. Oh Lord, thank you for your goodness in my life. Thank you for your goodness in our church. Thank you for your goodness all around me. Thank you for your steadfast love that endures forever. God, that your love for me, your love for us, your love for your church, your love for your people never runs dry. And Lord, we're just reminded of that this morning. We sing, we cry out with the psalmist, we cry out with David. Oh, thank you, Lord, for who you are, for all that you have done. This morning we sing and we we seek you, we remember all that you have done. We wanna declare with our mouths and with our lives your goodness and your grace and your power. And so, Lord, would you meet with us here this morning? Would you meet us here again? Would you confront us face to face by your spirit this morning with the goodness of God? Lord, help us to not miss out on your goodness because we're looking for the greatness and the big and the flashy and the bold and the exciting. God, help us to rest in your moment by moment goodness and grace that is so evident in our lives when we pay attention. So Lord, would you awaken us to that this morning? Would you remind us of your goodness and your steadfast love? We say thank you in Jesus' name.